welcome to the Hunt Backcountry podcast presented by Exo Mountain Gear. This podcast and the gear that we produce at Exo Mountain Gear share the same purpose, to make you a more capable, confident, and successful backcountry hunter. This show is all about providing you with valuable information from experienced hunters. To learn more about the podcast or about our backcountry hunting packs, visit exomountaingear.com. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in. This is part two of the expert roundtable series that we are in the midst of. The topic for today is gear that truly makes a difference. So for these guys in the roundtable, experienced hunters, successful hunters, they're quick to admit that gear doesn't make the difference. It's clearly more about knowledge and skills and experience, but what gear does matter? Like what matters to them? What helps them get it done? That's the topic for today. It's a very, very interesting conversation. Guys are all over the board with their answers, which is great to see. And sometimes, as you'll hear, it's just the little things that matter. So excited to dive into this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Before we dive into it, thank you to Addison McDonald for the review on this podcast. Reviews help us tremendously. Ratings help us tremendously. Wherever you're listening to this, if you can do that, that'd be great. Um, if you don't want to do that, you can also just send your email um, with feedback, questions, suggestions to podcasts at exomountgear.com. And Addison, as a thank you to you for the review, be sure to send us your shipping information. We'll get you some Hunt Backcountry podcast and Exomount Gear swag headed your way as a way to say thanks. All right, so what gear makes a difference? Let's dive into this one. We're going to hear from, again, the same guests. If you want to know more about these guys, go back and listen to uh, the Monday Minute episode 40 as we kind of introduce them a bit more and give more context. But to kick things off, here's Cody Kellum of Born and Raised Outdoors. Gear is, I think, especially this day and age with so much information available online and podcasts on YouTube, like so many people get hung up on gear. And I still to this day remember my first well, I mean, my first backpack elk hunt was with my dad. I had a Stansport frame, a little Wenzel sleeping bag from Bymart, and we went and did an overnighter, strapped a sleeping bag to a pack frame, a um, couple bungees, and call it good. And yeah, it was doable. Was it uh, great? Uh, not amazing, but I was 10 years old. So at that point in time, like I just went with the gear I got. And I think, um, you know, over the years, I think so many people think, if they want to go do this, they have to have like the highest end gear. They have to have all the lightest weight. And I think the biggest thing that I've learned over the years is each year I make adjustments to gear, but I just go with what I got until I can either figure out that I don't like that or, and, or can't afford it. Like trying to like narrow that down. Um, and I think that's, I think the message that I would say is like, just go with what you got. And if, if it's not the stuff exactly what you want, but you're hearing somebody say that you need this, like go make your own opinion about it and understand that, you know, I, I personally don't need that, that, uh, piece of gear, whether it's, um, you know, a high end four season tent that in reality you, you know, you're, if you talk to someone that goes to Alaska, they need something like that, but hunting the lower 48 for elk in September, you can get away with a bivy sack and a tarp. Um, so, um, I definitely, I think that, that's a, gear is definitely important. Um, the one piece of gear over the years that time and time again that would either make or break a hunt for me is boots. 
um, comfortable, reliable boots. I think um, the only way you're going to get to places is putting your boots on and hiking there, um, you know, the way we hunt. And so having comfortable boots that are reliable, that aren't going to give you blisters, they aren't going to, I mean, it, and this is one that personally experienced. I've had failures on many hunts and I've bucked through it, but it's been miserable. Um, I've had, I've had heel blisters to side. I mean, Steve, you remember those? And, <laughs> yeah, you know, second you said that, that popped to mind. Man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, here it is. I had a pair of boots that I loved and I'm like, Oh, I'm going to throw some other new insoles in on this hunt. And I never had an issue one. And I threw some new insoles on it, lifted my heel up and in a flat four mile hike, I had blisters the size of 50 cents piece that like popped, like even on the hike, I'm like, Oh, my heels are warm, but it didn't feel like much until we got to our camp. And in the dark, I'm like, Holy crap. I mean, yeah, Yeah. the next, I think I, did I even hunt in Crocs a little bit that day? Yeah. 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 I mean that, that little, so your slight, slight insole change, change the the next five days of the hunt. Yeah. hundred percent. Those blisters were so miserable. You tough through it, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy. No, I remember walking up the hill sideways like uh st- like what you would stair step in snow, you know, instead of going toe in, like I would heel heel or not heel but uh arch side arch side of the foot um cuz I couldn't walk straight up cuz it was just but so I I definitely, you know, encourage you not and and don't just listen to someone say, "Oh, you got to get crispies, you got to get scarpas, you got to get this boot." Feet are so different. You literally have to um, kind of figure that one out on your own a little bit. I know, you know, you, you guys run Solomon's, don't you? Like trail runners most of the time yeah. or Mark, those quests. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I, any, I don't even know if there's, it exists, but uh, tips for shortcutting that fitting process, figuring out what style gosh. of it is. Yeah. You know, it is super tough. I mean, I've always, I mean, personally, a stiff boot hasn't felt great on me. And although I, this last hunt, um, I ran a pretty stiff boot and it felt great. So, um, you know, that heel, I I think the other side of that too, I think is, um, socks and lacing techniques. The one thing that I have learned that if you feel like you got heel slip, oh, I'm going to tighten the laces tighter. And that, honestly does the exact opposite effect and it creates more heel slip because uh, it it like forces your heel in the back of the the uh, cup of the boot and so when you tighten down those laces and suck it everything tight it actually creates greater friction versus a looser lace where it's not going to rub as hard it may rub but it may not rub as hard to create that friction um you know of course luco tape is like a must i mean even in a good fitting pair of boots, carry Luco tape. You never know what's going to change. Um, you know, darn tough socks. I'm a stellar. I mean, I'm a huge fan of those socks. Um, Merino wools. So, yeah. Do you have, um, if you got a brand new, brand new pair of boots, anything you've done to break them in or test them or anything you found that works other than, you know, a way to shortcut that? Um, uh, it's just called stupidity and just take them out of the box. And (laughs) I mean, I mean, I did that. I, the spring bear, we did a float trip and, um, I wanted to see if these boots would work. And, you know, I, I know now like, okay, I can take care of my feet if I, if I need to. So I understand like 
you always need to stop before you feel like you can't, you know, like beyond repair. Like if you start feeling a hot spot, like doesn't matter, take the five minutes and stop. Um, but I took them out of the boots and climbed 2000 feet straight off the river, fully, you know, a heavy pack loaded down and they were great. I mean, knock on wood, but wow. I've also like had a similar, you know, these were the, uh, crispy Colorado's. So, but the, they're almost like identical to the summits just has a different, um, footbed in them, sole and midsole. So I think you got to hike in with weight and on Hills. I don't think you can just like go out and hike the road and say, Oh yeah, these boots feel good. It's when you start putting vertical load and putting, you know, shift back in the heel. And, and like I said, the failures that I've had in boots have always been in my heel, but, um, I've kind of played around with different socks and then, um, the lacing technique and not getting them too tight, to be honest. Next up, we have Russ Meyer, decades of experience, a lot of gear he's tried over the years. What makes a difference for us? Let's find out. I guess looking back, um, and this is kind of, you know, not, not to, to, um, I guess tout on the XO packs, but to be honest, that is something that was always an issue to me. Um, being able to pack in with what you need comfortably uh, is a bonus, but then also being able to hunt with that in the past, I, I would always pack in with a freighter and literally carry an additional day pack to be able to comfortably bow hunt. Um, so again, not to just tout on XO, but XO packs were a, were a huge thing to me. Um, just having the ability to, you're working in on a bull, not have to take it off every time you take your pack off, you come forward, the bull makes a move, you make a move pretty soon your packs, you know, 400 yards down the hill. And then after you blow it or, or you're successful or whatever, you spend however long looking for your pack. And, um, so the pack, you know, the XO pack to me has been, and I've tried a lot of different packs. Um, so that's something that's really stood out to me. Um, as far as, you know, one thing, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, once I find something that works, I tend to stick with it. For example, Hoyt bows, you know, I can tout on them and, you know, since the late eighties, I couldn't tell you how many Hoyt bows I've had, but I've never, ever had one fail me. Um, so the confidence again, touching on confidence, confidence in your gear, um, especially when it comes to your bow, obviously is, um, paramount when it comes to, you know, consistently being successful with the bow. Um, but you know, I can dig into, you know, obviously the, 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 camo these days with the, with the materials and products with layering systems and all that, uh, back in the day, I, I remember just, <laughs> I was the guy early on in my bow hunting career where I learned, or I felt early on, I have to spend as much time with the animals as I can, you know, elk, for example, um, you know, I was the guy in the early nineties when I first started going where I would just have my aluminum pack frame that was like a two by, you know, like plywood on your back. And I had my sleeping bag and my tarp and, you know, four cans of chili and some Snickers. And, um, I just went, you know, most of my buddies didn't really appreciate hunting like that and were nervous to it. And I would just go wherever I stopped, I threw my tarp out and threw my sleeping bag down and slept. And I learned a ton, you know, with the elk and, vocalization and, and obviously, um, spending time with the animals is gonna, um, you know, increase your intuitive decision process and, and, 
you know, from calling to movement to what you can get away with to what you can't. Um, but needless to say, the gear these days have made things a lot easier. I sometimes say, you know, these younger generations don't know how, how well they, how well they have it in a lot of ways, you know? Um, but, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to, you know, capitalizing on your opportunity. So I don't know if there's you know one piece of gear that super stands out to me, you know, that makes, that makes the difference. Yeah. When you mentioned camo rust and I know you were, you're talking about the performance benefits of like, you know, more modern fabrics and all that, but I'm, this is an aside, but I'm curious with someone with your experience and having done specifically as much bow hunting and stalking as you have, how do you feel about camouflage specifically? Um, has it made a big difference for you? Do you feel, do you, are you particular to certain patterns and their effectiveness? Do you feel that's, you can get away with more on the the look of a camouflage as long as you're doing things right in terms of wind and movement. How did were you at with that whole um, idea on effectiveness of camouflage itself? The only thing that stands out to me is 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 more of uh, you know with, with the country we we mainly hunt here in the West and in Idaho. Um, I've just always felt like the you know darker colors. Um, tend to just blend into a dark figure at distance. You know, I think once you're in, in the, in the zone, um, you know, any, I've used enough camos that I haven't had any, I couldn't tell you, you know, one camo works better than the other, other than, um, I prefer the lighter type colors, you know, um, when I'm stalking a distance and stuff, it seems like you can get picked up easier with just those darker, darker colors um so i don't you know i think you i think it's all about movement you know i guess i kind of whether it's me old deer stalking or, or, or elk obviously and setups and it's all about it's all about the setup you know you're conscious of backdrop and of course movement and um, again setup is everything when it comes to bow hunting so i can't i can't i can't say there's one pattern over the other i've had luck with a whole lot of patterns you know, I've obviously been a cryptic guy for a long time. And I've really, you know, feel like it blends well in a lot of situations, a lot of country and um, habitat. So I'm, I'm super fond of it. It's done really well. And of course, you know, the layering systems now and such and, and getting away with, uh, you know, you know, staying warm with a, with a lot lighter uh, materials with the puffies and, and the synthetics and all that stuff. So I don't think there's a, I think I think I could uh, uh, go out in uh, a plaid and and do pretty well. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> you could, I Russ. Do, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that you could. I don't know about all of us, but I know that you could. <laughs> Next up, we have Nathan Jones. A good one talks about the small stuff. That stuff can matter. So let's hear for Nathan what makes a difference for him. This one might be kind of a letdown to you because, well, first it kind of shirts with you guys too it just your gear really depends on what you're hunting and how you're hunting it right um but the first couple things that come to mind are very very simple items um and i was thinking about this again yesterday when we talked more but it's probably gonna seem silly but the two things that i have to have in my pack the two things that i feel like if i don't have on my person's 
during almost every hunt, like I am willing to drive hours and hours to go get them. And, and it's going to seem silly, but like my wind checker, my smoke in the bottle, it's what I like to use. If I don't have that in my pocket, I feel, I feel completely naked. I feel, um, I, it's such a critical item for me. Um, and, and dirt works and you can kick the ground or whatever. It's just certain times of year. You don't have that powdery dust to rely on. Um, and I've been in situations where I didn't have that. And it, it was just like, uh, it, it was just like, I, I felt like this is not going to, this is not going to end well. Like I need this. Where's it at? And I don't know if that's just something that I've obsessed about over the years, but that and my diaphragm alcohols, I, for whatever reason, it may not even be elk season, but I just feel like I, I rely on them. I rely on them to, you know, maybe call predators or to get somebody's attention or, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I tend to use them all the time. And especially during archery elk season, if I don't have those two things, I'm going to drive to town and I, I'm going to, I, I just, I really rely on them. Um, and I'm not like sitting there draining the bottle every squeeze or, you know, like doing this huge dust cloud of, of, it's just like a little tiny puff just to make sure that, you know, my, I, I got a favorable wind and if I need to adjust and, and I call it knifing in and, and it's, it's that last kind of approach, um, on, on a, on a setup or, or whatnot. And, and I'll just, it's almost when I hear when I hear a, a bull bugle, I'm moving. Like he's almost not even through bugling or whatever, and I'm and I'm adjusting. And and you know, in the beginning, they're big adjustments, but in the end, and when I say the end, the last maybe hundred yards before I'm ready to kind of, you know, I know that you know I'm going to be in in potential that they're going to be able to see me or something like that. I'm making small little micro adjustments and that little wind checker is just in, in my, in my hand, uh, making, making small little checks to, to move in. Um, I, I, I don't know. It seems silly, but that's just, that's just kind of my process. It works really, really well. I call it knifing in. I, I don't know. Um, that's just kind of what, what makes sense to me. Cause you're just making little, little cuts, just little adjustments, little cuts until you're finally right at that spot where you're going to, you know, either get busted or you're going to get a shot like that. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't sleep well in the mountains. I would love to talk to you guys or I'm always listening to like podcasts for different ways to sleep. I do not sleep well in mummy bags or on pads. I'm a side sleeper. I get extremely cold. Like, you know, we both know Tyler Boshma, right? I mean, him and I work together. He'll be standing in a t-shirt. I got, three layers of coats like i just get i just i'm just that way i get cold um the joneses get cold whatever reason so i mean if i'm hunting out of my truck which i do a lot um i mean i stuff two sleeping bags inside each other two zero degree bags and i'm like "Ah, i'm pretty comfortable you know like guys are using quilts i'm like that's insane to me i don't i don't even (laughs) i yeah anyways I'm, I sleep horrible. I've tried the pill, the Tylenol PMs. I just, anyway, it's an area that I want to improve on. Where I'm going with that is I bought these puffy pants from, uh, I think it's Kuyu. I I won't leave home without them. They're so lightweight. Um, 
I just, I sleep a hundred percent better with having like some sort of down insulated garment on me. Again, that's kind of a cheesy one, but I mean, it's, it's been a game changer for me in the last couple of years. Um, I have range finding binoculars that again, they're almost, they're right up there with my old calls. Like I just, I feel like I have to have them around my neck. I don't run a range finder. I run those Geovid 10, 10 by 42s. Um, you, I really like that. You like those bow hunting? Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch with your hand. Um, the button's on kind of the, the wrong side, but I like it. Um, I see where people would like a small rangefinder just for how how nimble they are. But for me, I really like my binoculars. So having that, not having that extra piece of gear, um, I I really like them for bow hunting. Yeah. Hmm. I always just yeah. assume they'd be too bulky to, like you said, be nimble and kind of you're 25 yeah. years away and you're trying to get that up and get a range without making a lot of movement. Yeah, and I and I think um, I don't do a whole lot of archery um, early season deer hunts uh, just because I, I really enjoy archery elk hunting, so there's, it just kind of conflicts a little bit. But, yeah, on the, on the, I, the, the deer hunts that I have done, you know, those – those stocks are probably, I could see where that would be a little bit um, cumbersome. I've always made it work, but if I was doing that, you know, a couple of those a year, I could see, you know, maybe having that auxiliary piece, that uh, range finder. But um, for me, my style, man, I, those, those are my jam right there. I really <laughs> like, especially, especially rifle hunting. Um, and then I, that's next on my list. I, I bought a G7 range finder last year. And I, and, and so like, if you ever, I don't, you guys are probably more archery guys than anything, but if you any, do any kind of, um, adjustments with your scope turrets, you know, I've ran different type of ballistic programs on phones and handheld devices, but that G7, it's an expensive piece of gear. I just kind of went down the list from cheapest to most expensive. I mean, that's kind of a frivolous item, but man, when it comes to rifle hunting, like, oh my gosh, life before G7, oh, it, it, yeah, I, if you have an extra fifteen hundred bucks laying around or whatever, and you enjoy rifle hunting, and, um, and and you shoot, you know, even target practice long range, like that thing is, that, that's a that's a game changer. Before we dive into the next one, which is from Ryan Lampers and is a great segment, I wanted to remind you guys this month here in July of twenty nineteen, we're giving away a Hoyt Helix bow. So to enter is really simple. Just go to exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast and you can enter there. It takes a couple seconds. You can hit pause and do that now. Thanks to Hoyt for supporting this and for giving us this bow to then give away to you guys. So again, exomountaingear.com forward slash podcast. You can enter to win a Hoyt Helix. For now, let's go ahead, dive in with Ryan Lampers on the gear that makes a difference. All right. So, man, as far as gear that, uh, that I feel can either make or break a hunt makes a real big difference. Um, well, there's several pieces. Um, I could just say my exo pack and drop the mic, right? I could say that (laughs) that's a big one, but now I'm going to go with probably my sleep system. Um, I think, I think sleep is huge. I think being arrested and, uh, you know, fresh every morning on the mountain is, is crucial, uh, probably between the sleep system and, and food, those two things come to mind when I think of uh, making a big difference on a hunt, especially those real long extended ones. So, um, you know, I've, I've gone to dump more money into my sleep system so that I've got not just lightweight 
Um, but comfort is huge. I, I think, you know, we all probably started with the old Z pads and just, just trying to skimp on space and weight and all those type things. But now, I mean, we've got, we've got these such, these nice lightweight, you know, blow up pads. They're great. Um, real high R values to them. I, um, you know, I've, I've gone to this, uh, big Agnes, um, Q core SLX It's like four and a quarter inch pad. Uh, I think it weighs like 16 ounces, something like that. It's 20 inches by 72. Man, that thing is just cush, uh, keeps me warm, keeps me off the ground. And somehow that, that big Agnes has been able to withstand the real cold conditions and the glue hasn't come up or bubbled up on me. I, I used to run REI flashes and different, different pads and had all kinds of issues with the glues coming apart at the seams. That was always a problem. So now I've invested in, uh, in, in that, uh, pad as well as, you know, the bag is, is real important. Um, I know there's, there's a lot of real lightweight options now with quilts and whatnot, but I'm always going to be old school. Uh, I really like a sleeping bag. Uh, I'll, I'll pack a few extra ounces and the bags they've got now are so light. I mean, I'm still looking for a two pound ish range. Um, the bag I'm going to be running this year from, um, uh, stone there. It's a 15 degree bag, two pounds, three ounces. And, um, and the bag I've ran for years was just a little bit heavier than that, but it was that same range and 15 degrees. And, and I just like that system because it, it keeps me on the hill if bad weather comes in. And, you know, you guys know it, weather can come in in August, weather can come in in September and you can get some really cold, nasty conditions. And I really like that option of um, being able to crawl up in my bag and, and, uh, you know, sleep it out or wait it out if I have to. So sleep system though, um, you know, I, fortunately for myself, I sleep well. Um, I don't have issues, but if guys don't and they have to, you know, take whatever, I think it's important. Um, there's all kinds of like melatonin products out there that'll help you sleep and get rested and, and be fresh on the mountain. And, um, that's one of the big ones, but like I mentioned food, I think, I think investing in off-season preparation, dehydrators, making your own food or finding foods that really make you feel good, keep you energized. Those type things are crucial. I mean, not having the good food, not having, um, you know, clean food that's, that's not just loaded with sugar and, and, you know, sodium and stuff that makes you bloated, you know, that'll knock you out of the game mentally quicker than anything. And, and so I've invested a lot of time, um, and money in making my own food that I know is going to, you know, be, uh, be a lot cleaner. And I know that it works for me because I get to test it all summer and scouting trips and, and preparation. So, um, I would say investing in, in food is huge. Um, probably gets overlooked a little bit cause it's easy just to pick stuff up the last minute, but man, that, that is, um, that is one of the things that I think for myself, it helps me stay on the mountain longer, mm-hmm. uh, feel better throughout the entire trip. So <laughs> I've done, uh, uh, I was always just a mountain house guy or whatever, but Tyler Boschman's wife made a bunch of, uh, homemade like chili and stuff. And he gave me some packets and after eating those last year on a, on an elk hunt, I did a Tyler. I don't think I will ever go back to eating mountain house like the it just tastes so much better and like you said you just feel better you just i don't know I don't, I don't know if it's more of a placebo effect or what but i definitely 
just felt good eating that stuff, you know, because you knew it wasn't just completely laced with sodium and, and everything yeah. else. Yeah, it's just kind of like, you know, the same routine that you're that you have you've had back home eating the same type foods. And I don't know about you guys, but I eat a lot of like stews and soups at my house and things of that nature. And and that's what I want to eat up there. So, um, you know, making the exact same foods that that do me right back home, they're going to do me right up there on the hill. So, uh, yeah, gourmet food in the backcountry is awfully nice. <laughs> yeah, it makes uh all the sense in the world that you had mentioned sleep system and food for you personally when you're spending so many days out there. I mean, you can get away with maybe feeling crappy on some crappy fu- uh, fuel, you know, food, or maybe getting away for two or three nights of really bad sleep. Um, but when you talk about being out on a nine, 10 day hunt, it's, you know, it's a game changer to be able to feel good for that whole time and basically recover each night as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just it. It's, you know, I think anybody can tackle a three or four day hunt, maybe five day hunt and, and feel pretty darn good. You know, you're, you're going in energized and fit and, you know, you're, you're just ready. And, and, uh, and, but it's when you extend those hunts out to that second week or even six, seven days in, um, man, your, your energy level has to be right. Your mood has to be right to keep pushing or, or you can really easily talk yourself out because your body's sore and you're bloated or, or you just are tired and that will pull you off the mountain quicker than anything. And that's going to be that one thing that, uh, keeps success from happening when typically for myself, I don't know about anybody else, but it, the success tends to happen on those days, you know, six, seven, eight days in that's when the good stuff happens. So, um, you know, being energized and always ready to tackle any hill, go down any hole. I think that's, that's going to set you apart and, and uh, make a huge difference when it comes to success. And for this next segment, we have Ben Gatormson. I think a lot of people put almost too much emphasis on gear and, and things like that. I mean, you got to look at it more as a, um, you know, it's it's more something that's gonna. I'm looking for the right way to describe it. It's gonna it's gonna keep you comfortable. Um, it's gonna keep you have uh, maybe more peace of mind. You know, um, I I feel like in the last few years, uh, shelters with these super compact lightweight stoves, um, really have been a game changer. They can keep you, you dry and warm when it's cold. And I mean, realistically, you're in those situations without things like that. I mean, you're not going to last very long. And I think the single most contributing factor to being successful that a lot of guys kind of don't think about is the amount of time you have to spend in the field. And, you know, if you, if you're hiking into the back country and you have a little <clears throat> ultralight two man tent, you and your buddy and, uh, weather rolls in and it's wet and rainy for like three days. If you're not dry, if your clothes aren't dry for a period of two or three days, you're, you're going to be miserable. And, uh, I, I mean, I feel like you've got, uh, the Kafaru 
tents. You've got the seek outside tents that, uh, you know, the single walled shelters that are floorless that really kind of open the door. You know, you get one of those stoves in there, you can dry gear out, you can weather a storm. There's a little more room to move around, um, stuff like that. Um, I feel like that's, that's a big game changer. You know, it's, it's things that keep you in the right mental mindset. You know, it's, it's not necessarily the, the, the latest and greatest, uh, um, you know, waterproof jacket or, you know, the lightest weight boot out there. It's, it's the, it's the little things in those situations that make a big difference. So it doesn't matter if you're in a four year old pair of already hunting boots or the, the newest boot by Scarpa or something like that. You know, it's, it's, uh, I think it, it, there's more to it than that. You know, I mean, by, you know, <clears throat> advice I could give a guy that's kind of coming out on his, on his first hunt is, you know, spend the money that you can afford. Don't overextend yourself because, um, you know, the tags are expensive in a lot of situations and stuff, but buy, buy what you can afford and just hunt within your means. And, and, uh, just because you can't have a particular item or, or can't have the best item available doesn't mean it's, it's going to cripple you from an effectiveness standpoint. It's, it's all about comfort, you know? Um, some of the, some of the biggest things that, that I, I find are, are important. Footwear is huge. Um, obviously if your feet are sore, um, you're not going to want to hike. Um, you know, you get blisters, you know, buy your boots right now for this fall. Um, I just bought a new pair of boots here the other day and, you know, I'm going to be breaking them in all summer and, um, and they'll be ready to go. Don't, don't, don't do that. Um, and you don't, equipment is, is all relative, you know, I mean, you don't need to, to have the best bow on the market, you know, the most latest and greatest thing, you know, a bow works. I mean, if you, you can stretch a bow out for three or four or five years, you know, the, from a performance and standpoint, I mean, archery equipment, I feel like hasn't progressed on the performance side of thing. Uh, it's just changed on the, you know, on the fit and the finish and the feel. But, uh, I, I don't have any, any, any set piece of equipment that makes or breaks my hunts. You know, there are guys out there that are, that are doing it with cotton and like chamois style clothes, you know, like the old chamois shirts that they used to make and stuff like that. And they're getting it done just as good as anybody else that's wearing these, you know, high quality technical garments from like Sitka or first light or whatever, you know? So, but things that attribute to your comfort, I think are the most important. I mean, that's, that's kind of where I, I put my cards. And finally, to wrap things up, here's Exo Mountain Gear's Steve Speck. I'll go big picture with this one and say, and some people are going to laugh, but being extremely lightweight, uh, especially with, if you're backpacking, um, the difference for me physically, and it doesn't matter if I'm in crazy good shape back, you know, three, four years ago when I was mountain bike racing and stuff like that, I, you know, I could run up and down the mountains. Um, or right now I've gained 15 pounds and being a dad and don't get to get out as much. Uh, it doesn't matter, but having a lightweight pack on your back at the end of the day makes a big difference. Uh, 
the, the energy expenditure, how you feel, being able to get up and get going the next day. Uh, that is absolutely critical to me. And, and I've felt that and I know that and I'm willing to sacrifice certain little creature comforts along the way to achieve, you know, the lightest weight pack that I can. Uh, obviously there's a balance here. There's a balance and everything. You can't go so light that you have, uh, you know, that you're freezing your butt off at night and not sleeping well, or you can't go so light that you don't pack enough food to give yourself enough energy. I mean, you could kind of go down a bunch of rabbit holes there, but at the end of the day, weight is always a primary focus for me. And uh, I think it really, really makes a difference. You know, if you've got a, a five-day backpacking hunt, if even if you could trim five, ten pounds out of your pack, that's going to make a huge difference in the amount of energy and calories that you're burning out there. Um, so that's big picture. As far as, like, little gear items, uh, we, I know we've said it a bunch on the podcast, but honestly, adding that Garmin inReach into my pack, as far as something that... I just, I don't know, it's definitely changed how I hunt. Uh, I was definitely someone who was very, I enjoyed hunting solo, but I was always on edge. I never really could relax back there just because I was, you know, I've got a daughter at home and my wife and, you know, you've got responsibilities and, and you can't just be an idiot out there. Uh, and, you know, if you're solo hunting, you step off a rock in a funny way and break a leg, which is something that could very easily happen, you know, that, you know, you could be in some serious trouble. So having that in reach really, uh, just the peace of mind, even if, even if you don't use it for anything other than it's just in your pack and the, the time you might need it to push that SOS button, you know, no one is there, uh, it's pretty priceless. So, and then you got the obvious, Find a good pair of boots that work for you. You know, I've uh, everyone's foot's different. Uh, you know, just you just you're gonna have to go through trial and error. Find what works for you and and make sure. You, basically, I, you should never accept uncomfortable feet. There's a boot out there that does fit and work for you. Just keep trying until you find it. And then you know the other one I always say is packs. Uh, obviously, having a good pack on your back is is um, worth its weight in gold. The second you get something down, not so critical with uh, just 30 pounds in the pack and you're hiking around all day long, you can deal with a little bit of discomfort, but you know, especially knowing that you've got a pack capable of getting your kill out of the back country, you know, if you're four, five, six, seven, whatever miles back there and you kill something, you know, I get, I guess it gives you the freedom out there to kind of hunt wherever you want to go. And you don't have to be as concerned about killing an animal and, on the top of some ridge and he bombs bails off into some Canyon. That's the wrong way. Right. Um, that, uh, knowing that you have a pack on your back, that's going to get you out makes a big difference. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, there's so, so many important pieces of gear, but, um, big picture, just, uh, I'm a huge fan of keeping things lightweight and I think it, uh, makes a big difference in, in the enjoyment of the hunt. Cause you're not as beat down at the end of the day and you have more energy and, um, yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that one. I hope you took some helpful information on the gear insights that this roundtable panel has for you. Um, Be sure to tune in. We're doing this roundtable series the whole month. Uh, If you want to make sure you get the future episodes, go to exomontgear.com forward slash podcast. You can subscribe there and iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all kinds of places. Um, While you're over there, be sure to hit that giveaway link. The Hoyt Helix given away this month in July of 2019. exomontgear.com forward slash podcast. Catch you next week.